mapping out that customer journey, putting in that time to do that well and doing that properly is more critical than ever. Um, you know, understanding what are those stages that people go through when they're dealing with the organization, both as a new customer and also as an existing customer. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. Hello there, and welcome to Revenue Insights. Today's guest is Luke Truin. Luke's the founder and managing director of Modern Visual. Um, They help mid-market and enterprise businesses grow through strategy, software, and change management. Luke, great to chat to you today. Thanks, Lee. I'm really happy to be here. Well, let's start with a bit more about yourself, about Modern Visual. Um, I don't think I've really done it justice in my short intro there. So tell us a little bit more about your story and the story of your business. Sure. So my story... I guess from a relevance perspective, started when I was around the age of 12 or 13 and we got our first family computer. Um, my mum, who was a single mum, saved up a lot of money to buy that computer and I very quickly became obsessed with this thing. I remember being at a, a cousin's party and we had it in the car. We bought it that day and I was just so desperate to get home to to have a go at this computer. It was a Windows XP Celeron <laughs> machine for those, for those nerds listening and um, very quickly, I just became obsessed with this thing and the internet and you know, I started learning to program through this computer. I became very quickly obsessed with Linux and learning that operating system. And I guess I started to form this world online back in the early 2000s as a young teenager. And, you know, like I uh, built a, an MSN messenger robot, for example, that became quite popular. I, um, I ran a hosting business. I managed to uh, convince a guy that I'd look after his server farm of Linux computers or servers if he gave me my own. So um, that enabled me to have my own server. And I was able to, again, do the MSN robot. I was able to have a hosting company. You know, I've had many websites with Google AdSense there, earning a couple of thousand dollars a month. And uh, I built this whole world online and, you know, I was loving what I was doing. And, you know, I had these guys that were like staff members working for nothing because they want to be a part of something like the robot, for example. And, um it all came crashing down when the server got hacked. We got DDoS attacked and oh, no. um, this whole empire I'd built as a young teenager fell apart and I had to sort of kiss it all goodbye. And at that stage, mum was harassing me to get a job and I needed to do something with my life. And um, I actually went and saw my careers teacher at my school. I'd actually dropped out of school um, in year 10. And um, this careers teacher helped me um, find a job as a printer. So I ended up becoming a, a label printer, you know, beer labels, product labels, and I did that for close to 10 years and it just felt like Groundhog Day in the end. I was working in a factory. I was running a printing press. You know, um, I had my manager, you know, great guy, so I could talk to him now, but, you know, obviously barking orders at me and being very strict and um, it just didn't feel like it was for me. I'd gotten over it. So my wife actually said to me, um, you know, Luke, what about all those things you used to do when you were a young teenager online, like websites and all that stuff? Why don't, why don't you do that as a bit of a, a hobby to make some extra money? And I said, oh, look, that's a great idea. So... Literally overnight, I started um, 
you know, a hosting business, just reselling services through another hosting business. And um, really quickly, my, my old boss actually at the time, great guy, not the manager, my, my boss who owned the company, pulled me into his office one day and said, Luke, you're into this computer stuff, aren't you? Like, I just had this website built. Like, is it any good? What do you think it's worth? And I looked at this website and I said, oh, I don't know, like 500 bucks. And he goes, I just paid six grand. I'm like, oh, is that good? He's like, doesn't bother. looks great. And I'm like, okay, no, I think it's fine. So I walked out with this massive light bulb above my head and I thought, um, you know, I could actually build websites. I used to do that when I was a young teenager because this is obviously years later. And I went straight home and researched websites and um, how to build them and I found this WordPress thing. I'm like, what's WordPress all about? And very quickly and to keep it short, I ended up um, starting a web design business alongside my hosting business after after hours and um, very quickly I was able to drum up, you know, a lot of business and um, after 12 months I managed to leave my printing job and go full-time with web design and hosting and um, from there I was able to um, introduce new services like marketing services, digital marketing, SEO, Google Ads, etc., and ended up hiring more people and more people and more people. And um, that's what Modern Visual became, was a full-service uh, digital agency. And then around 2018, we actually decided that marketing wasn't really for us and we're doing a lot more of a technical um, service at the time and we'd just become a HubSpot partner, for example. So we decided to get rid of all our marketing services and double down on you know, things like RevOps and integrations and business consulting and, you know, we obviously had that expertise um, but we just wanted to make sure that was what we really stuck to as a business and doubled down on what we were good at and we took that leap of faith and it's paid off. So that's just a bit of a summary of myself and Modern Visual, um, one of the businesses I run. I love the the, the, the journey really that you've been on um, and, you know, even coming into this, I didn't actually realise you'd been, you know, working in a printer's for what, 10, 10 years 10 up years, until... Yep. I'm a which qualified is, printer, so I've actually got a <laughs> certificate in printing, which is amazing. And, and the, the the word that kind of stood out to me as part of that is almost like the transformation, right? You know, even even your transformation, and then also the transformation of of, of your business. And I think that's going to be something that really comes up a number of times as we chat chat today. So, in the in the here and the, in the now, and you kind of touched on it a little bit there at the end. So. Uh, in terms of the businesses and customers that you're working with, can you just give a bit more color and context behind, you know, kind of size that they are, kind of where where they are in their in their journey and their transformation, um, and typically how you are working with them? So we um, we do receive a lot of referrals through HubSpot. We've become one of their top partners in the APAC region where, where we're located. We're in Melbourne, Australia. So a lot of the work we do revolves around HubSpot. So thinking about things like onboarding brand new customers to HubSpot, getting them set up and trained. Um, we might have a larger project. So it could be, um, you know, setting up a number of complex integrations, doing that onboarding component, um, helping with the entire tech stack, helping with setting up processes in the business. Um, so there's a lot of that type of work that goes on. And typically the businesses that we help um, with those types of projects are that sort of mid-market to lower end enterprise so the sort of 20 seat to 300 seat business obviously there's no fixed um, rules around that but that tends to be our sweet spot when my, when i started the business we're very much working with small businesses and um i think you know for us and our expertise it just didn't suit longer term for the business um, i think we're almost almost a bit overqualified if that makes sense like we're running workshops 
for clients that were quite sophisticated and just went over their heads, a lot of these small business owners. So um, so I think that's where we really found our sweet spot in that mid-market to lowering corporate space. So for those customers that you're particularly working with at the minute then, um, what are the kind of headwinds that they're facing going into now that, well, now that we're in 2023? Um, I know that a lot of the clients that you work with are typically in the ANZ or APAC regions. So interested to know because i'm sure a lot of the listeners to the podcast are either in the over in the us or in the or in europe um so interested to know are you seeing kind of similar headwinds where you are and and what's kind of the state of play right now i think we typically see a bit of a delay or a lag behind europe or the uk for example specifically um I think that's changing though. I feel like our lag's disappearing and we're coming a little bit more in line with what you're seeing um, at your end of the world. Um, we're seeing a lot of, um, I guess, um, cost cutting going on with some of our clients. So, you know, they're concerned about um, their overheads, like their software pricing, their, their staffing. Um, you know, they're, they're almost preparing to batten down the hatches in advance. So, um, obviously, you know, there's not as much economic slowdown yet, but they're getting prepared for that. Um, so, so we're seeing a lot of that. And there's also obviously a lot of interest in automations, a lot of interest in, you know, AI, for example, it's quite a buzzword at the moment, as you probably know. Um, so there's a lot of interest in replacing what team members are doing with systems that can do that on their behalf. And that just means that you're running, I guess, more of a, a team that's you know, almost generating thoughts versus just doing labor-based tasks. So, so that's kind of hot topic at the moment. Um, we're just seeing, I guess, a bit of, um, let's call it analysis paralysis. People are sort of umming and ahhing about, you know, what decisions they need to make and when. And yeah, so it's a bit of a bit of a mixed bag, to be honest. Really, I, I love the the phrase analysis paralysis. So let's let's dig into that a little bit more. So. Um, can you give a bit more um, context around that, perhaps with with regards to some of the customers that you're working with? So, is that a case where they've got loads and loads of data and no idea what to do with it? Are they in a state of well, we've got some data, but we can't trust it? Um, could you speak a bit more around that in terms of uh, kind of what you mean? Yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of customers that have had ambition to do a lot of great things over the last, say, three or four years, but they've seen them as nice-to-haves and now they've almost, they're now seeing them as necessities. So, um, you know, having a really clean database, for example, I think I heard at HubSpot's inbound conference last year that only 3% of businesses feel that their database is really perfect and on point. So, I think I'm seeing a lot of that type of work. Um, we've been approached for that type of work, sorry. So people wanting to make sure that they've got great segmentation, they've got clean data, you know, everything's got capital letters, emails aren't missing, things like that. Because obviously that's quite important if you think about, you know, getting the most out of your database. If you're sending out um, targeted email campaigns or personalizing your experience on your website or if you have a members portal or you know, anything like that, that, that data has to be perfect. So I think that's a big thing we're seeing. Um, I think a lot of people are approaching us as well just to ensure their systems are, I guess, maximized from a, you know, a features perspective. Um, you know, like people are uh, wanting to like almost do like a bit of an audit of everything in their business and just make sure that 
they're getting value from the software they're using, even making decisions around their software in general. Is it the right choice for their organization? Um, you know, can we save money by consolidating systems as well? That's a big hot topic at the moment as well. I love the 3% have, have confident that, that they've got perfect data. And it's not overly surprising as well. I had a lot of guests on, on the podcast and that's, it's one of those perennial pains of, of, you know, having good data that you can trust or even like to the level of being perfect. So could you give an example of perhaps um, some tactics, initiatives that you use to help your customers to get to that almost uh, utopian state, shall we say, of having a great um, kind of foundation of data in your serum? Yeah, absolutely. So I think really important, and this is, again, something that people have seen as a bit of a nice to have sometimes, depending obviously the size of their org, but mapping out that customer journey, putting in that time to do that well and do that properly is more critical than ever. Um, you know, understanding what are those stages that people go through when they're dealing with your organization, both as a new customer and also as an existing customer, you know, seeking support or further services, you know, just thinking about things like what are, what are their thoughts, feelings, what are their emotions, you know, what are the touch points that they're going through on that journey? So all those things need to be mapped out quite well. That then allows you obviously to segment your data based on those customer journeys. So who's trying to achieve what and who are they? Um, so start to think about people based on their persona, their, you know, things like their industry, um, you know, their role in their organization, um, things like that. So that allows you to really start to personalize um, some of the content that you can distribute to people. Um, and then obviously off the back of all of that, just getting super accurate reporting on the organization. So being really data-driven um, about pretty much decisions you're making as an org. So um, making sure that, um, you know, we're looking at attribution reporting, we're looking at touch points um, that people are going through in that that journey. Again, that journey has to exist and be mapped out for you to measure that and do that well. Um, so there's some of the things that I think really need to happen um, for people in 2023. If they want to compete and, you know, win business and succeed and if there is a storm, ride it out, um, you have to just get really smart with all those things that were, you know, in the past nice to have because we had such a strong economy. Mm. Uh, yeah, 100%. And uh, I'm interested to know because obviously – I can kind of visualize in my head, uh, you know, what that customer journey looks like. And obviously all of that is then going to hinge on um, that, that, that foundation of data that you've got in your CRM, right? So the, you know, what you've got in your, in your contact record. Now to people listening to this, they'll be using range of different CRMs, but we can talk about this from a HubSpot perspective because that's what you know really well. So what's the secret to getting that specific foundation right in the first place and having good data, clean data as well that, that you can then use to do that next step of the customer journey? I think there's always two types of businesses. There's the ones, and this, it's typically the ones that have, say, a new startup, but they're, they've been born in the last few years as a company. They might be quite strict if the founder's obviously experienced. They, they might from the start have really clean data and they're, they're really religious with how they enter that data. Um, most businesses, though, have a bit of a hot mess, I'll call it, um, from a starting point. Um, so, so what we typically do is, um, you know, use tools like InCycle, for example, to, to manipulate that data, deduplicate data and get that in a really good spot. Also consider how that data is utilized with the rest of your tech stack. So if you have integrations, for example, you want to make sure that, you know, you don't have one system sending junk data 
into your CRM and it's just a vicious cycle. Um, so that's something to think about as well. Um, but just having really strong business rules and processes in place um, to make sure people are entering data correctly, they've got the right routine in place for the day. Different roles in the organization understand what their specific duties are, not just a blanket training approach, for example, to, to how to use a system. And I think as well, people need to have buy-in with your systems as well. You know, you can't say to your team, you have to just go and use this system no matter what. I think, again, if people are involved in that, that process of forming how the business operates, how the software operates within that organization, you're going to get their buy-in. Like we often see, you know, um, businesses come along to purchase something like, say, HubSpot, for example, in our services, and they're like, oh, we've got a few people in the organization. You know, they're not going to like change. I hope <laughs> you're good at that. Um, and that, that's something we do specialize in is that change management piece, and that's obviously the human side of an organization. Often we're so fixated on the software and the features and what it can do, we often forget, you know, there's going to be real people waking up, getting out of bed, brushing their teeth, and then going to work or going to their home office and actually sitting down and using these systems. And we, we often, again, completely forget that. And that's the that's the secret sauce to making sure your data is top-notch or clean, is making sure that the humans are happy that are using the system. Mm. It's, a, it's a really good point. And, uh, and it's often, as you touched on, the, the part that's overlooked as part of it. And I know as part of the work that you guys do, you've alongside the change management is like bringing in the software, right? For example, bringing in HubSpot. So what would you say then are the, the three most important parts of actually uh, bringing in new software that actually people buy into, that they believe in, that it's not just a case of, oh God, I'm being told what to do again. It's, you know, ideally showing them the value of this is why you're doing, this is how, you, how it helps you do your job better. So in your experience, what would be those top three ways of doing that? Yeah, I think the top three ways are, number one, ensuring that the most appropriate people are involved in the buying decision process, so the sales process. Um, make sure that those people you know, are workshopping ideas. It's not just a, a marketing manager, for example, making decisions for the sales team or you know, a CEO um, buying because his, his buddy decided that he's got that CRM as well, for example. So involving key people from the organization in the buying or um, the sales process is really important. That's one no, number one. Um, number two would probably be, I think, just making sure that you've chosen the right software in the first place. So there's obviously a myriad of software available out there. I think what I would say is go for the software that makes the most sense for your organization. Um, it was quite funny. I actually saw um, there was a, a CRM, I won't name names, was um, labeled as bo- Boomerware. Um, the other day, um, <laughs> which I think was quite quite funny. You know, it's almost like, yeah, look, we've moved on from that, um, us, us uh, youngins. Um, but but I think, you know, there's the CRM's, you know, just a shameless plug to HubSpot, um, really easy to use. Like it's designed to be extremely easy to adopt and every screen you deal with looks the same. It just has a different sort of um, use use case. So, so I think, you know, obviously, again, evaluate what the best solution is for you is number two and make sure that, you know, it suits your organization because not everyone's the same. And I think number three, like, again, bring it back to your overall tech stack. Like every tool you have in your tool belt needs to have a specific function and you know, be a valid contributing team member in the software suite So or in the tech stack. So I think just making sure that you understand overall what your tech stack looks like and make sure that everything has its place. Make sure that, you know, if you can consolidate as many systems into one as possible, that's going to give you obviously a lot less fragile, um, 
you know, systems and it's going to lead to less issues from a reliability perspective, but you're also getting a lot more data and data, um, you know, available to you if everything as possible is in one place. So that's, you know, for example, um, sales, marketing, service, if you can have those in one tool um, on a single code base, then obviously you're going to have a much better experience with that tool. Mm. I, I really like the point around uh, having, um, you know, getting value from each tool that you have in your tech stack. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to know, and I, I suspect that this might be a case of uh, specific on a, a case by case basis, but for um, for companies that you're working with, what does the kind of core tech stack look like? What are the kind of core components that you're including in there? Because you talked a bit around that, like the user having the customer journey mapped out. You've got your, let's envision they've got their reporting and their dashboards set up at that point. Um, I'm going to assume they're probably using HubSpot as their CRM based on what we've talked about. So what then um, are kind of the key components that that you're recommended that, that, that they include from there? Uh, yeah, so um, one of the things that we bring up with a lot of businesses, especially businesses that are a bit like not huge, but a bit larger that might have you know multiple departments and multiple systems, is you know really make sure you decide what your central source of truth is for your data. Um, so you know, for example, a client might have an inventory system in place in their warehouse, so like it could be a SIN seven or a DEER systems, um, et cetera. They might have an ERP, which is taking care of a lot of their accounting and, um, you know, they might have obviously their CRM. They might have, God, I mean, zero, like, you know, that's obviously another accounting package. So so it's just making sure that, like, what is the source of truth for the, for the data? Like, if we're going to say, what is, it, what is the center point? Like, what is the main area that we're going to access everything? Um, typically, that's at the cold face of your client. So, um, you know, where are the key people in the organization that do with clients entering data? That's typically your CRM. So that's where you would ensure that that is at the epicenter of everything you're doing. And then around that, you would obviously choose systems that are really good at what they do. Obviously, you know, it's beneficial to have a, a, a connection there to a system that's, you know, a specialist in their industry, I'll call it. So, Again, like SIN7 is an inventory system and it's an amazing inventory system. Not everyone will agree with that. Most will. Um, so it makes sense to use that for that purpose. And then um, obviously like a HubSpot, for example, or a Salesforce or whatever it may be, will sit right at the center of that tech stack as the source of truth. Hmm. And then um, what I'm going to push towards then is, and, and I know with HubSpot, you've got a various different um various different uh, kind of what I'm thinking is whenever I talk to anyone that uses Salesforce, it's, well, I need sales, the sales enablement tool. And obviously with HubSpot, a lot of that is actually baked in. So what are the common kind of tools that you might be, once you've got that single source of truth, what are you then recommending that they're adding on top of it? Is it fairly bespoke? Uh, obviously I know with HubSpot's app marketplace, there's a huge range of different ways that you can kind of augment and improve that environment that you're working with. But there is there, is there any uh, common ones that come to mind with clients that you're working with that you're using to really improve the experience of that HubSpot CRM? Yeah, so you've obviously got HubSpot's main hubs. You've got um, marketing hub, sales hub, service hub, and then there's two additional hubs, the CMS, which is your website, which could be like a WordPress replacement, for example. And then you've got Ops Hub or Operations Hub, which is more about integrations, data hygiene, automations, things like that. Um, so if we think of those main hubs, that that marketing sales service, that does cover a lot of that customer journey. 
Um, where you might want to um, look elsewhere or, you know, add as an addition to that is, you know, I guess where you're pushing HubSpot to its limits as to what it does well. So um, Ebster, great example, right? Like HubSpot's got its reporting um, tools that are built in. However, it doesn't extend anywhere um, near what EBSA can do from a you know a revenue reporting perspective, a RevOps perspective. So, so that's a great example in that marketplace for HubSpot where um, it's a it's a fantastic extension to what HubSpot can do. Like HubSpot's reporting is great, but it's not amazing where you know EBSA just really specializes a team in that RevOps or that revenue generation space. HubSpot just doesn't have the bandwidth to do everything and anything to that level. So that's just where that makes the most sense. And obviously there's many other examples in the app marketplace where it's similar. Mm. I'm keen to take us in the journey of um, uh, going a bit more into specifics with some of the clients that you work with. I think through a lot of the things that we've kind of talked around, it's really this journey of transformation. So having that single source of truth through to being able to map that customer journey, to being able to have those segmented lists. So could you talk around perhaps um, one example of a uh, digital transformation project that you've worked on over the last 12 months that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just to um, mention it as well, we have clients where we're offering almost like a stock standard um, offering. So like I mentioned you know, earlier on in the piece, it might be a HubSpot onboarding, it could be you know, a website build or an integration, you know, there's those clients where there's just like, this is what I need done and I need it done. Where we really um, shine, I guess, beyond that is where clients want to solve a very unique challenge and they're, they're not sure how to approach it or how to solve that. And the, the example that comes to mind um, is one of our clients there. They're actually, um, they were founded in Melbourne, Australia, where I'm based, and they're now a global business. They've, the head office is in New York. And one of their challenges was that they're actually trying to do a capital raise and they didn't actually have the data in place that they could showcase to investors to show the growth that they'd been actually having as an organization. They're an existing HubSpot customer and, you know, where it can obviously um, fall down is where, you know, there's no real, real business rules in place around, you know, who's, who's an administrator, who's locked down. Like um, obviously setting up global teams, people might not be talking to each other around decisions and things like that. So, so these guys had pushed HubSpot's um, reporting to its limits and they weren't sure how to get the right data in place. So, um, for example, um, in HubSpot, a deal has to move in sequential order through a sales pipeline to get the correct reporting. What we did, we actually built a custom system, like a web application that connected to HubSpot to provide reporting around the least likely and most likely um scenario of a deal closing based on pipeline stage. So that was able to give them that data they needed for that capital raise as just one example. Beyond that, the client, that was the first project we're engaged for and they thought that's amazing. They were able to do that. So we'll then engage um, from a business um, coaching or consulting perspective to help this business align their global sales teams. Um, they had multiple pipelines set up per region. They had um, obviously issues where staff were creating properties in HubSpot um, at, at their own leisure. Um, some, someone had created a pipeline um, stage that no one knew what it was for. Um, so <laughs> so globally, they weren't aligned as, a, as an organization. And where we really came in was obviously um, helping them consult and interviewed every team member around the world to make sure that we understood their, their needs and their pain points and their challenges 
and also their um, their regional requirements, like territorial. Um, you can't just have the same process all the time. You know, there might be specific regional things that need to be considered, like, um, you know, like an area could be more um, fire prone, for example. So there's different ways that they sell the product. There's just one example. So so making sure that those regional differences were considered, but um, we're, we're aligning them on a, a global strategy. Um, so that was something we did and then obviously implemented that, um, in, basically ripped out HubSpot and rebuilt it all and, Got it all up and running, and everyone was on on the right page from a, a change management perspective. So, so that's a project that comes to mind. I was quite proud of, and they had a very specific challenge, and that grew um, from a challenges perspective. We were able to solve that in a big way. Amazing. Uh, I want to ask you off the off the back of that, then, because um, that's a great example where you where you found successes. Is there a particular, um, let's say, business challenge that you're trying to solve at the minute that? you've not quite got to the bottom of so perhaps a challenge that you're particularly passionate about solving but haven't quite cracked enough nut of yet it's a good question um is this for a client or for us or both uh, <laughs> you can take it in whatever way that you want it right um if there's a particular client in mind yes um that'd be great um i'll leave you to decide which way i think it's really a question of what springs to mind first of uh, I, I find that there's always something that you're just like yep there's something that's really bucking me and has been for a while so yeah I, I the one that comes to mind it's not something that we have control over but it's a big problem for us um and it doesn't affect you as much in your end of the world but um hubspot doesn't have a data center in our region and regularly we're coming up um, with prospects in this, the government space, fintech, um, you know, financial organisations, things like that, where compliance is really important and legislation around data sovereignty. So that is a big challenge we face here in the APAC region is um, unfortunately the fact that we don't have a data centre locally here where there's one in Germany and I believe there's one in the US um, on Amazon. So so that's a big one on our wish list. And we do have um, a workaround that we built. It's actually a CRM card. So we can house external information in a CRM card in HubSpot um, and that's API'd into HubSpot, um, but it is quite limited in what it can do. It just stores additional information in HubSpot. Everything like email, et cetera, still has to live uh, offshore. So it's probably not exactly what you're after, but that is just a very big <laughs> challenge that we face regularly. I guess when it comes to clients, you know, our job is to solve their problems. So I think we haven't really come across something that we haven't been able to solve. It's more, you know, there might be a compromise every now and then that needs to be made. Um, I think the biggest problems we have is when um, someone just hasn't bought in um, as a, you know, they've got excited, they bought software, but they're not prepared to put in the, the blood, sweat and tears to make it a success in their organisation. So that's just a general response. Yeah, I think, uh, but, but that makes total sense to me where, um, and that, that I find is the beauty of, of the question because, a lot of the time through the things we talk about, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, there is a solution to everything. But the reality is, is there's often things that there aren't, isn't the perfect solution to, right? And what's actually so interesting around that is um, the, what I'd call like band-aid solution, right? That, that you find around it to, to, to make it work. Um, all right, Luke, I'm going to move to the final question as we move to wrap up. What is one book that you'd recommend to other as a revenue leaders or um, uh, leaders that you're working with? Good question. I'm not a huge book fan. I don't like reading books, but I love listening to books in the car, on my mm -hmm. on my walks, at the gym. Um, and I'm going to sort of um, skew this a little bit. There's actually two books that are almost one book that I love, 
and that's um, Traction by Gino Wickman. Um, there's also a, a secondary to that, which is called Get a Grip by Gino Wickman. And um, it's basically um, the EOS model, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. And it's basically a framework that you can run your entire business on that encompasses all of the areas of success that you need to make your business a success. So um, the Traction book is more the theory around everything. Get a Grip is actually more of a, a make-believe story around a business that actually implemented this system. They went from being a shambles, nearly shutting down, to a chance meeting in a bar with someone else as a business owner that had implemented it. Um, and then this lady went and actually brought it into her business. And you know, just the ups and downs of having to let go of team members that were square pegs in round holes and you know, seeing improvements in the business, just at the end where they end up, which I won't give away, um, is just really big game changer for if, if you're feeling a bit lost in your business, like you don't have a framework in place, I highly recommend checking out Traction and also Get a Grip by Gino Wickman. I love that. We'll include uh, notes for that, uh, uh, links, in fact, down to that in the uh, in the show notes. Um, all right, Luke, for anyone that, um, you know, perhaps uses HubSpot and is like, oh my God, I need help, uh, or uh, wants to follow you for, for more of what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite um, regularly active there. So just Luke Truin, T-R-E-W-I-N on LinkedIn. Um, modernvisual.au, that's .au, not .com.au. Um, uh, we're available from our website, so you're welcome to check that. We're actually launching our new site in about a week or two. Um, so it'll either be the old one or the new one when you visit it. Um, but that's the main places you can find me. Beautiful. Uh, and we'll put links down to that below. So um, for anyone that can't spell your name properly after that uh, they'll be able to find it pretty easily awesome Luke it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on thank you so much again for for, for the conversation today and to everyone that's listened to this episode we'll catch you next week thanks Lee thanks for listening to Revenue Insights if you want to learn more subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox if you have any questions feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.